This week, we're replaying a Selena Rosenbaum's episode. My conversation with Selena is the reason why we went out looking for a mastering engineer, and we found Piper Payne, our guest on last week's episode. If you're listening for the first time, enjoy. If you're listening for the second or third time, also enjoy. Either way, you win. We'll see you in about a month with a new episode from Sarah Sudhoff. Hi, I'm Skipper Chung Warson. I'm a design director in San Francisco. And thanks for listening to How This Works. This is a show where I invite people on to talk about a topic that they know incredibly well. And today, I'm lucky to have with me Selena Rosenbaum. She's going to talk to us today about being a musician and the work that she's done to write, record, release, and promote an independent album in 2020 with everything that's going on. Thanks for being here, Selena. Thank you for having me. So let's dig in. Tell us a few things. Who are you? From where do you hail? You know, where in the world do you call home? Like all of those juicy intro bits about you. Yeah. Well, I live in Austin, Texas, uh, the live music capital, although not so much these past few months. Um, Sure. I was born in Colorado into a military family. Okay. So moved around a lot as a really young person. Um, So born in Colorado and in the first... 10 years of my life was in, uh, let's see, Colorado, Mississippi, Virginia, New Mexico, and then to Texas. Uh, and I've, I've been here since I was about 10, 10 or 11. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. But still, still have, uh, family in Colorado as well and people in New Mexico. So it's funny that the places I grew up are still kind of connected a little. At least geographically, sort of in the geographically middle-ish bottom, the Southern part of the country. Mm hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what's something, what's something about you that many people might not guess, like something you feel comfortable sharing? I, I was asked a similar question recently, and I it was for a music publication. And I, I told them that I love yacht rock, which is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what is yacht rock? What is yacht rock for people who don't know what yacht rock is? Yacht rock is the very best musical genre, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> musical acts such as Michael McDonald, okay. the Doobie Bros, okay. uh, Bobby Caldwell, I, I would lump into this. A lot of people may not know Bobby Caldwell. Uh, Kenny Loggins, of course. Of course. Anyway, so that's <laughs> – musically, that's something you may not guess. But I usually for an um, interesting and strange tidbit about myself, I like to share that I have sort of a fear of sunken ships, huh. which seems <clears throat> arbitrary and – uh, unlikely, but they freaked me right out. <laughs> so does this encompass like things like scuba diving? Like, is that something that you would never do? Oh yeah. I would never, ever scuba dive or snorkel. Um, okay. really anything that lives in the water, uh, I'm afraid of and things that do not belong in the water that are there also freak me out. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so Selena, what are we talking about today? What is the topic in which you consider yourself very well-versed? Well, um, I made a record this year. So we'll be talking about the the making of the album and sort of the process of of finishing it up and releasing it in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. What a time. (laughs) (laughs) What a time. Yeah. So I'd love to rewind a little bit. So I want to get into the meat of that because that process uh, being connected to you and being your friend, like I've seen you doing um, some of the promotional things that you've been doing over the last few months. I want to dig into some, some of those component parts. Like what are the intricate parts of, you know, releasing an album? What are the things that are unique to this year? Um, But I want to rewind and go back to, how you started as a musician, you know, how did you first discover music in general? Was it sweet, sweet yacht rock? <laughs> I, I wasn't quite into yacht rock yet. When I, when I discovered that I loved uh, to sing, I was more listening to Disney musicals Okay, naturally. So I, I was in the fifth grade um, when I did my first performance, Okay, me and a few friends did uh, I Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King Ah, sure. at our fifth grade talent show. Okay. <laughs> and that was the first time that I noticed like, oh, I really love doing this thing. Like I would like to continue doing so. And um, I, I joined choir the following year. Okay. Uh, and that was kind of the beginning of everything. Okay. 
Yeah. So what was the, and, and, you know, for some people, titles are really important. Calling yourself a writer, a musician, like whatever that is. What is the first thing that you made where you felt like a musician? Oh, um, I think the formation of my first band uh, is what made me really feel like a musician. It's in in music school. I I, I studied musical theater in college. uh, And where I went to school, there was like a stark divide between the instrumentalists and the vocalists. Mm. This is like a, like a kind of a weird, a weird social and political thing inside the music school. But And which side know, did you align to? I, I was on the, the uh, vocalist side okay. uh, just because I was one and I didn't play an instrument at the time. <laughs> okay. um, so it was, it was funny. Like the, the instrumentalists wouldn't refer to us as musicians. They would say, oh, oh it's the musicians and the vocalists. And that always... Oh was was you know just a little dig so I kind of carried that with me I you know I did some some theater after graduating from college uh and and when I decided to drop that and and start a band that was the first time I really felt like like I feel comfortable calling myself a musician nobody can say that I'm not you know I've made this band yeah I'm playing guitar you know that was the first time that I felt like okay yeah I am a musician okay and how long ago was this generally about 10 years, 2011. So okay. yeah, almost 10 years. About 10 years. Okay. I, I had a question around, oh, you, you talked a little bit about how the musicians or the, you know, the instrumentalists would dig at the vocalists. Is there a way that the vocalists would dig at the instrumentalists? Uh, <laughs> like, would you all invite people, would you all invite the instrumentalists to karaoke parties? And <laughs> um, I don't think they would have been caught dead at a karaoke party. <laughs> Uh, but we, we loved it. Oh my God. We, we used to go out as a group, like a few friends of mine, I remember would go to this joint called city walk and go to the karaoke room there and just like fucking murder everyone in there. You know, (laughs) it was was so funny. Um, I, I don't really remember, you know, digging back at the instrumentalists, uh, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. You know, my, my memory is a little selective (laughs) at at times, but yeah, I don't don't think so much. Okay. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, so what's something that an average person doesn't know about being a musician or like maybe the, like what's what's exciting for you about being a musician? I the most exciting thing for me is is the performance aspect. You know, the the rest of it is kind of kind of difficult and and tedious. I you know, my musical beginnings are in performance, you know, mm-hmm. it was like when I performed that was the first time I, it got me. I don't know. I th- I think the thing that people don't realize is that it's not you know the perception of a musician is like of a of a famous musician so Mm. you think oh oh this person's a musician oh cool they're like they're like bono they're out there doing huge concerts you know they're raking in the cash blah 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 when it's like "Mm, no like we're doing five gigs a week and are kind of barely making rent Mm. and uh (laughs) you know it's it's work i think people don't see it as work yeah um and that's not to say that it's that it's a bad thing not to make it a negative at all but it's yeah you know it's a job absolutely yeah before we um started recording you said uh, you had an often a comment about being nervous do you still get nervous before and um, and we'll get into the particulars of like how you're performing and, you know, doing some of your showcasing of your craft these days. But do you still get nervous before you perform? It it sort of depends on the situation. If I'm if I have a show at a new venue, mm. I will usually be nervous for the first the first time there. OK, it's, it's not so much the show that makes me nervous. It's like the waiting, like waiting around the house the day of a show is just the worst. Just like waiting to get there and to go and do the thing. But um yeah, if if it's somewhere I've played before, then no, I don't I don't have nerves so much anymore. Yeah. 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 So let's jump so is there anything else you want to talk about generally as a musician that you think um uh listeners uh, are curious about? I don't know. I s- s- another thought um you know, something people may not be aware of. I think <clears throat> it's also an assumption that every musician has a manager, you know, mm. has like a team behind them, mm. kind of helping them do stuff. But for for most people that I know, they're just doing it by themselves. So like getting the show, promoting the show, and I, I know we'll get into this later, but yeah. booking a show, promoting a show, 
doing the show, selling the merch, you know, buying the merch in the first place, having yeah. it having it made. It's really a one man show for most people that I know. Yeah, because that's a cost normally, especially if you don't have a team of people um, or a team that helps support your output as an artist. So that merchandise is often cost that um, you as a musician have to carry. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit about, just so we have a little bit of comparison and contrast, because we've talked a little bit about your beginnings, you know, in terms of um, doing uh, work in university. Um, You mentioned, like, you didn't feel like a true musician until you started your first band. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about that process, that that moment for you, like, when you started a band and it was about 10 years ago, um, what did that look like? What did that feel like? Like what, what's a day in the life for you on like a, uh, when you would perform as part of your band? Well, I had, it was, you know, kind of one of those big life moments that happens every few years when I had, I had decided I'm going to stop doing theater pretty much completely. Mm -hmm. I went and got a big tattoo, which typed myself out of, all of the roles, um, <laughs> you know, it, it just kind of shifted, shifted focus. I, I had become frustrated, um, with having to always be a different person than myself on stage. Okay. Uh, that was a big part of the, um, the shift to, uh, to doing music only. Yeah. So, I mean, the first, the first thing was to try to find a gig, you know, when nobody knows who you are, that mm. was really a challenge in the first year it was like, Okay, what's what's more important to to find a gig first or to find a time to rehearse first? You know, who are the musicians that are going to play with me? Sure. Nobody knows who I am. You know, how will this work? So I I reached out to some friends um, who were already in bands that I knew and just kind of told them, "Hey, I'm working on this thing that maybe that would be of interest to you." Yeah. So in the early days, it was just about building you know, building the band, building a little team around myself uh, so that we could play these gigs. Um, And then it was trial by fire doing the gigs, Uh, you know, because that's a, it's a whole different medium of, of performance. And um, the, the first year or two years was just lots of learning, lots of mistakes, Sure, you know, learning how to lead a band in rehearsal, more importantly, learning how to lead a band on stage queuing endings, you know, learning how to talk about music in a whole different way. Mm. Cause for my whole life, it was, it was reading notes off of a page. Like these are the notes that you sing. These are the words that you say. Okay. Don't stray from that. Sure. And there, there's a whole, you know, like on stage language for musicians, like, you know, the Nashville number system, you're calling tunes. Uh, like if someone doesn't know it, you know, you say, Oh, it's, it's just one, four, five. And most people would have no idea what you're talking about. But Uh, (laughs) for musicians, it's like, oh, yeah, those are the chords that I play. Okay, got it. And what did you call it? The Nashville number system? Or just just the number system. Like, what are the numbers to the chords of this song? Okay. Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, And uh, do you want to mention the name of the band while we're talking about it? Yeah. It was uh, called Rosie and the Ramblers. Okay. um, Should I tell you the the genesis of that name? Yeah, I'd I'd love to hear it. Rosie of the Ramblers. So I, I knew it was going to be a country band. Um, it's been my favorite music for forever. I was afraid of using my actual first name because I didn't want there to be any confusion and for people to think that we were a Tejano band or like a Latin <laughs> music band because we live in Texas. Sure. We're not far from Corpus Christi. That's you know, right. I didn't want people to see Selena and then be devastated when they showed up. Um, I was Selena like, All right. is, a, is a state treasure, if not a national treasure. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I was like, well, shoot, what am I going to do? So yeah. I, I kind of stole my father's nickname. He, his, he was in the air force and so was his dad okay. and their call signs were Rosie last name Rosenbaum. So they went by Rosie okay. when they were flying. So I stole that and added a phrase at the end, Rosie and the Ramblers, yeah. you know, sounds Western, yeah. sounds Southern. Yeah. Sounds something. Yeah. So <laughs> that's how I got that name. And you all, um, as far as I can tell, you all did release an album. We did. Okay. Yes. In 2014. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Just the one. Um, what was that process like? And, and I want to set this up as a way to maybe contrast a little bit of, and I know that, you know, your current work is, I mean, you do have a backing band, but, you know, as a, so, as a solo musician, um, it might be a little bit different, but um, I'd also like to contrast the time of like releasing an album in 2014 versus releasing an album today. So like, what was that process like? You were a, you, you were a band, you've been performing for a few years, um, you decide to release an album. The, the Ramblers wasn't so much a collaborative project either. It was pretty, it was, you know, kind of similar to what, what I'm doing now. The, the songs were all mine and, and okay. you know, weren't really written by, by the rest of the band. Okay. So, so that aspect was kind of similar, but you know, at that time it, it was easier you know, I, I reserved the studio space and we went and recorded the record and then I set a release date and it was, it was easy. Like things just kept rolling along Okay. and I, I, I printed CDs only. I didn't, I didn't print any other kind of, kind of uh, listening media. Like no vinyl, no, N- no vinyl, no like cassette tapes, cassette tapes for the okay. niche crowd. <laughs> Is that um, still a thing? People still make some people are doing it. Yeah, dude. Some people I know, um, they they do like small run cassette tapes. Huh. Okay. I don't have anywhere to play a cassette tape anymore. Yeah, neither do I. So no. I huh. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Anyway, it felt pretty easy. It just kind of like rolled itself along in in 2014, and I, I set the release date, and we had a release party, and so many of my friends came, and I sold a bunch of records at that, and nice. and it was. It was seamless, felt like. Yeah. <laughs> um, this year was a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did how did the process for this start for you? Well, I. So let's so let's end... let's let's rewind to not just the record because I do want to I, I do want to contrast that, but I love when did you decide? So Rosie and the Ramblers. When did you decide that you needed to? own your name and, and, and be, you know, be a, be a musician in the world that used your name. In 2019, I, I think is when I started, I was kind of writing some different stuff and writing some more opinionated things and just kind of okay. drifting into, you know, non-country territory, okay. whatever that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just felt like I, I was starting to feel really like pigeonholed by the name of the band and feeling like, oh, it, if people come to see a band called Rosie and the Ramblers, they expect this, you know, yeah. X kind of yeah. music. Yeah. And I was Did you all do, did you do anything sort of like, um, and this is probably not the right word, but did you all do anything off brand in that way? Did you have a song that wasn't necessarily country that came into your vernacular? Um, yeah, I, I think we had a few of those and I, I started to add some covers that were definitely not country. You know, we, we did like an Elvis Costello tune and, and oh, we nice. were doing like just kind of whatever was of interest. And I was like, okay, this, maybe we should change this. Okay. Also, it gets tiring explaining the name Rosie and the Ramblers because everyone's like, oh, are you Rosie? And I'm like, yes, but no, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Um, right. so I, I just, last year, by the end of the year, I was like, okay, this is, I'm just going to drop it. Um, I, I didn't know how to like kind of transition be like, okay, so I'm not going by this name anymore. I'm going to go by my actual name and have people not, not freak out. Like, Oh my God, is the band breaking up? And I'm like, not really. Cause it wasn't really like a collaborative thing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, what would make it clear? I'll make a record. And I already okay. had a good handful of songs that I needed to record anyway that okay. were written over, I don't know, the past the past five years or so that I needed okay. a few more. So I, I early this year finished up writing the rest for the record. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds like it's it was a very natural thing where not only did you own yourself as a musician, right? Getting the tattoo was part of that. <laughs> But then also, you know, uh, you went from using, you know, this nickname um, to then wanting to claim your own name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because why not? The whole the whole point of starting music was to was to be myself anyway. And, and it took me years to realize, oh, I've created 
like a character for myself. That was unintentional. <laughs> yeah. So. So you have a handful of songs in 2019 that you want to record. You write some more over the course of 29, the rest of 2019 and 2020. In, in the timeline of things that are happening in the world, uh, I think it was the top of 2020 when we all became aware that there was COVID-19 out in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of March is when, at least in California, the shutdown happened in earnest um, and in other parts of the country as well. What does your world look like alongside these current events? So I, I've worked uh, as a day job at a coffee shop in town for almost eight years, I think. It's it's a, a great and flexible uh, day job. Sure. So I think it was like mid-February probably when we kind of started talking about COVID and, you know, everyone had heard about it and nobody really knew what it was. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was being talked about. And then me and the band went into the studio the last week of February and we're there for... And this is you you and the Ramblers. Me and uh, my current band. So... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we went in the last week of February and and knocked out knocked out all the songs and got it done and i think it was like i think two well let's see i'm trying to think i lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic because they they laid off like 30 employees wow and i think that was march 13th or 14th i think so yeah. so i finished recording the album was starting to look at finding someone to master it was still working on mixing it down and um and suddenly, you know, COVID is in the U.S. and people are freaking out and things shut down. And then I lost my job. And then it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Right. <laughs> so like, am I going to get to finish this record? Like, sure. where is my money going to come from? You know, right. did I just do the stupidest thing I've ever done? Because I had just, <laughs> you know, spent all of the money on renting the studio. It had, you know, paid the musicians. and was like shit <laughs> um so you're already planning like a big life change yeah and then on top of it life gives you a big <laughs> life change taking away the stability that you had as in your side job and uh, so yeah you have many many feelings yes lots of feelings lots of worry you know it, it's funny though in the beginning it it um well nobody knew how long this was gonna last you know, sure. of course, none of us could have predicted the scope of uh, of this thing. So yeah. it was like the day the day I got the email uh, that I had lost my job. I was like, "Huh, okay." And like, I I didn't cry, and I wasn't I wasn't like panicked about it. But a few days later, and maybe even like a couple weeks later, I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh no, <laughs> oh no!" <laughs> like this is getting real, real quick. Yeah. It's not isolated to your one, the, the, the coffee shop business where you worked, like you weren't going to be able to find another job right? Um, in this way. Like, so this is part of a much larger and to your point, timeline uncertain problem. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just kind of one of those funny things when you're, you're really excited about something and you know, I had, I had just finished recording this project and so, yeah. you know was like breathing a sigh of relief about that. I mean, and talk then... about clearing your to-do list. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, it 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 did kind of turn into too much time to um to work on album stuff. I uh you know, just kind of jumping ahead. So we, we had finished. Usually I would go into the studio and sit with the engineer and we would mix it down in the studio and be done with it. But mm -hmm. but we couldn't see each other anymore, of course, uh, for sure. for safety reasons. And so sure. he, he was mixing and then sending it to me, and I was listening at home with nothing else to do. So I just was like obsessing over the mix of the record. It was <laughs> like spent much too much time on it, like way too sure. much time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I had to. Well, I don't know if I was the one who stopped it. I think maybe my boyfriend was like, you know, I think it's probably good at this point. <laughs> probably fine now right um, yeah so what is the just for some of our listeners who don't necessarily understand the nuance and i i don't understand it 
Um, but like what it, so you record, you go in, you have microphones, instruments are plugged in, um, you record the album. What is the difference between like recording, mixing and mastering? Like what is that process? Yeah. So, uh, when you record, so I, I like to record as, as live as possible. And what that means okay. is having everybody at the studio at the same time and like playing as if it were a live show, um, yeah. as opposed to everybody coming in separately and recording their parts and then like layering on from there. So like guitar recording separately, drums recording separately, and then sort of like putting it all together, assembling it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so we recorded everything as live as we could, you know, so, so there was an aspect of mixing at that point. So the engineer, the, the guy who was recording everything, uh, came through and he got levels on everybody and would adjust, you know, oh, the vocals are a little too quiet. I'm going to pull them up here. Um, you know, the guitar is too loud. I'll pull it down here. Um, so that's like the basic levels, like at the time of recording, the mixing process is kind of fine tuning those levels. Uh, cause you can adjust everything afterwards. You know, everything is on, even when you record all together, all of the sounds that you're pulling are on separate tracks. So it's like, okay. And it gets really, it's really a lot of tracks cause you, you think, oh, the drum kit, but no, like the snare drum has a microphone. The kick drum has a microphone. So all of those levels are adjustable. So okay. the mixing is, is you know, adjusting those and, and making sure they sound as best as they can. Okay. And then after... And then what is, what is mastering? Yeah. So mastering is where my knowledge gets a little fuzzy. I don't exactly know what they do when they master. I've been in a yeah. mastering studio. I've watched someone master my record. I don't know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I do fair. know that it came out sounding much better. Okay. Yeah. So there is, there's definitely a before and after. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you have recorded the songs, you're mixing them. Um, like what's, and you've talked a little bit about what's happening in your world. What would have happened like if you rewound to an understanding that Rosie and the Ramblers was a totally different time and it was a different project like what would have happened at that point in the process for you you know in terms of the record uh releasing it touring it like those sorts of things like what would what what would have been the timeline in 2014 if i had made another record you're saying or with the first record with if you were making your 2020 record if you were making that back in 2014 like what would the next steps be got it yeah, so touring is is a great great example. I I think I certainly would have had a, a tour ready to go after the record came out. Um, you know, it it's funny to think how I felt like it was so much work uh, in 2014 when I did put out that first record, but but now mm. to do the same thing again seems like like so easy compared with with what's happening now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, w- would have gone through the whole process that, that I've just described, uh, you know, gotten the actual album done. Yeah. I would have maybe hired a publicist uh, if I okay. had done this second record at, at that time, which I did do this year, okay. but but we'll talk about that. Okay. Would have certainly tried to tour at least at least regionally, you know, at least through the state and, and maybe up into Oklahoma, maybe the Southwest a little bit. Okay. Which is just a total nightmare when you're booking everything by yourself. Woo! Booking a yeah. tour sucks. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the, uh, that's the side of the music biz that that really blows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that that you know probably would have been it. And there would have been hopefully some some residual buzz around town about about the record. You know. Yeah just trying to get some more high profile shows in town, you know, hopefully have some good press about it. Yeah. Isn't, um, just as a side note, I was thinking about this. Wasn't one of the things that the, the company that put on the fire festival, wasn't that something when they initially started, they were trying to solve for musicians as like how to book shows easier. Oh man. I don't remember. I, okay. I like watched a doc on the fire festival. One, yeah. of, one of the two that were out. I, I don't remember a whole lot about, about that, but Hey, that would have been great. Yeah, I think, 
I think the fire festival definitely takes up most of the oxygen in that story. So <laughs> I'm having a very dim memory of it as well. So yes, very maybe much. that won't, that won't make it in. Okay. So let's come back to 2020. You've, you finished the album, you finished uh, Selena Rosenbaum. What, what are you, what are you doing and where are you in the year? I think I finally sent, well, when did I finish mastering? I think it took until like May for me to get okay. the, the mix and the mastering done. Okay. And again, that would have happened so, so much quicker if I hadn't had so much time on my hands. Cause even with okay. the mastering, it was like, you know, when you have all the time in the world, of course you're going to listen to it obsessively and be like, eh, yeah. like, I don't know about this little thing. <laughs> so the, the guy who did the mastering was very, uh, was very patient with me because I kept yeah. coming to him with little tiny tweaks. He's like, Oh, can you do this? <laughs> um, and so I, I, I finished it finally, I think in May. And then I researched, uh, where to get CDs printed cheaply. Okay. But it, it seems pretty, pretty standard across the board. Um, but I knew I wanted to do vinyl this time. Um, okay which is so, it's so cool. It's just so cool to have, you know, a, a vinyl record that you are on. That's like, yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's a crazy <laughs> thing. So I did a lot of research on, on some vinyl companies and I wound up choosing a local one, cool. which was cool. That, that whole process actually turned out to be sort of a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of juggling logistics or costs or like what, what was hard about it? Well, it, it was a little more expensive to use the local folks, but I was like, well, you know, they don't have to mail them. I'm going to go pick them up because I was concerned about shipping vinyl. It's like, oh, okay. like what if, yeah. what if half of them are broken? They are delicate. They're delicate. Yeah. And expensive per, right. per piece, you know. Whew. So what is the cost difference between like a CD um, and a piece of vinyl to like at cost? Like what is it? Yeah. CDs you can produce, I mean, for like, I think as low as around a dollar per CD. Like wow. the disc and the jacket together. Okay. So you can, you can do them pretty cheaply. Vinyl, I think mine came out costing about $11 a piece, 11 wow. or $12 a piece. Yeah. So that adds up quick. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, the, margin, I, the margins are very different. Yeah. They're very different. Yeah. I, uh, oh, I, I guess I kind of glossed over the part about like album artwork and, and all of that. Oh yeah, let's talk about because the, the the artwork and we'll we'll link to this in the show notes, but it looks great. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love to talk about that creative process because we've talked a little bit about the the making of the record process, and it's reminding me also we haven't really talked about the things that were hard about the actual like writing of the songs. So maybe we write we we rewind a little bit to that as well. So yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about like the visuals for the album, like the design, like. How did how did those come about? I I knew I wanted I wanted a photo of myself on the record because I I knew it would be self titled. Uh, so this sure. is kind of you know showing the world. This is my name. This is what I look like. Here is my yeah. record. Um, That's right. So I I had scheduled a photo shoot. Uh, I did that in May. Okay. Um, it was just me and the photographer in in his studio, so it was it was very safe there yeah. but i my original idea for the cover was i had brought up like a bunch of outfits to his place and i was gonna put all these different versions of myself on the cover because a comment that i get a lot is is like oh wow you have a lot of looks it's like <laughs> yeah why not <laughs> like, why shouldn't i yeah, sure that's fun yeah so i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna lean into that you know with with this album cover and i'll be like in the same pose but wearing all these different different things. Oh, nice. And so we, we took all those photos, but the photographer, his name is Daniel Cavazos. He's awesome. He had all these colored backdrops. Um, okay. so he had, he had this yellow one hanging when I walked in, it was like, like, like this marigold color kind of striking yellow. I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really something. And I had brought this green jumpsuit and I like nice. pulled it out of my bag and held it up against the yellow. And we were both like, Oh Yeah. That yeah. looks so cool. So I, so I went and put that on and we took some pictures there. And yeah, we, did, we didn't know till he was done, you know, kind of fixing up all the photos, what we were going to use. But that 
the photo is yeah. super striking. It was just, oh, I just have it right here. Oh, my new vinyl <laughs> record. Wow. You have a piece of vinyl there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just was so cool. The, the color combo, we just had to use it. Yeah. So I, I wonder that, yeah, the, the art is, is striking. So I, I love the way it looks and it, it looks, looks and feels different and especially feels, I think, very optimistic in this time of like, we don't have a, a lot of things that are sort of feeling good in the world. So I, I love the way that it looks. Hmm. I'd love to sort of back up a little bit to, because, you know, for someone who's been working as long as you have, you know, as a performer, as a musician, you kind of threw off the thing of, yeah, I had five songs written and then, you know, I wrote a few more. But for a lot of people, that's an inconceivable task. This idea of, you know, not just writing lyrics, but then writing music and writing, you know, all of the other pieces of it. So can you talk to me a little bit about what songwriting was for this album? Songwriting is such a funny thing. It's... I think it's really different for every songwriter. So I almost always, there, there are exceptions, but like 95 time, um, I start with lyrics. Usually, usually I'll have a phrase, like, you know, if I hear a phrase throughout the day, or if I think of something interesting, I'll like keep a, a note in my phone. So I just have like a list of phrases, you know, whether in a notebook or on my iPhone or whatever. So usually I have a jumping off point there. Um, I historically haven't really like had any framework in mind when I've started a song. I just, you know, sit down with the phrase, start, start elaborating on it and kind of see, kind of see what happens. You know, almost without exception, the things that I write are super personal, (laughs) very (laughs) much pulled from my actual life. Um, And most of the songs on this new record are that. Uh, a lot of them deal with the kind of fallout from a breakup, but also the eventual death of an ex-boyfriend of mine. He died in 2016. And that was... And what is that song called? <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of them. Okay, okay. There's There are like, f- like four or five on the new record Okay, uh, about that. But... Can You Really Be Gone is one. Inventory Your Life is another one. But they, you know, that that was like a huge, a huge and shocking life event. He, he committed suicide. Um, so that was, thank you. Um, you know, something like that happens and it's completely shocking and you're just, you're just kind of a mess for a while. (laughs) So even if you're not connected to them anymore, yeah, it's still... Yeah. It's still really jarring. Very, very jarring. So these, you know, these songs on the album that are about that are, are you know, they're therapeutic therapeutic for me to write. It's just one of those things where you just have to. You just have to get it out. You have to write about it. You have to make something out of it. I think part of it was, you know, still trying to make make there be a reason for it you know, to create that after the fact, then that's, that's kind of a a weird idea. But, um, so yeah, I think a lot of the writing that I do is therapeutic for myself. So it's, you know, sort of inward looking. Um, but with, with this record too, I, I wanted to kind of try to, to steer away from that. And there are a couple songs that are more outward looking and considering, um, people as a whole, instead of just considering, you know, the inner workings of my brain. <laughs> what's what's an example of one of the more outer looking songs? Uh, there's one called Patriot. Yeah, it was the lead single. Yes, it was. And it was meant to be kind of a big F you to uh, Donald Trump and and um, everything around that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really self-explanatory, uh, yeah. that tune is, you know. It was, it was fun to be able to do like an, an angry rock song, you know, it was super fun in the studio. It's so fun to perform that one. You know, I, I spent the, the weeks leading up to the recording, kind of listening to, listening to the, some bands that, you know, from my youth or that I wanted, I wanted these songs to sound like, you know, I think Mm. I was listening to a lot of the, a lot of Foo Fighters for that song. Uh, Nice. Yeah. Just, just some stuff that was Definitely different from what I had done before. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit, I get you, now that you've mentioned it there, I can, I can hear a little bit of like Everlong or like <laughs> yeah. Monkey Wrench and Patriot. Totally. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. What's a song on the album? So I know that, um, if I'm not mistaken, the, the two singles that you've released so far are um, Patriot and then Inventory Your Life. What's coming next? Um, well, um, I, we did put out a third single. It was uh, The Old House. That's that's okay. an older song of mine, okay. but but it, we recorded it there. So okay. so this whole record is out now, but I've got a couple tunes that we recorded in the same recording session that didn't didn't make the cut for the record. So I'm I'm um I had gone in and like re-recorded some bits of those. So I'll be putting those out as singles. We'll probably do them both at the same time. Okay. Not really sure. Probably in the spring, like early spring next year yeah a couple new songs uh from the same session yeah yeah so selena what does your world look like right now because the record is out right you've done the you've you did the work uh so and i i know from you know we're connected on instagram so i can see you know you've done some uh like video appearances here and there um what does your role look like uh as a musician today um (laughs) (laughs) well my schedule's very open. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot of gigs. It's, I, you know, I've been feeling a little bit guilty because... Do you have gigs right now? Is that, no, is that something well, that's happening in your world? Okay. There, that's, that's not entirely true. I, I do have a okay. few gigs. So I, I also sing in a Western swing band. Um, okay. and my boyfriend plays guitar in that, that band as well. So it's nice. We get to do those shows together. Nice. And what is that band called? It's called Hot Texas Swing Band. Okay. Yep. And, uh, I, have done a few gigs with them. Um, we've done some outdoor things, you know, where the stage is away from, from people. Okay. It's so there, there are shows happening. There are a few venues in Austin that are having shows indoors, uh, right now. So I'm not trying to book any of those. I, I don't really want to be inside with people, uh, at this time. So I'm, I'm mostly staying away you know, I've been asked to do a couple of gigs that I've said yes to because uh, the venue is outside and, and the, they've been really strict about uh, social distancing protocols. Okay. So I feel okay about those kind of shows, but mostly I'm not not doing a whole lot. I, I was going to say earlier that I, I know a lot of people have been just like writing furiously this for the whole pandemic, just like writing, writing, writing. Sure. I have not written shit. I haven't done anything. (laughs) I haven't done anything. It's, I, you know, everyone is kind of handling this differently. And I, uh, like I just started journaling again. I had like, have not put a pen to a page, but then the last month I've been journaling again and I sat down to try to try to write a song. Didn't go well, but I'm trying to, you know, kind of ease back into it. Yeah. It just feels, um, I don't know. Cause usually I get, I get ideas when I'm out like observing people, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't like to talk a whole lot typically. Um, so usually I'm, I'm just watching things happen and I, I enjoy doing that and it's where my ideas come from, you know? So the well's a little dry, but yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. So is there anything else that we can talk about, um, in regard to your record and, you know, we'll have a thing at the end where, you know, you can talk about, uh, you know, where people can find you where they can, you know, purchase the record um, on vinyl or CD. But like, what haven't we talked about yet that you want to get into? I did hire a publicist for this, for this record, um, which, which I have not done before. It's been really helpful because I, the last time I had, I had sent out, you know, a bunch of CDs and like info sheets, just kind of blind. I just sent them out to, to this press list that I had gotten from a friend and hope for the best and hope to get some reviews, you know, and, and hope something sticks. Um, but I hired a publicist this time and she's been very diligent about, about, uh, getting some write-ups and had a little write-up in the Chronicle, the Austin Chronicle, which is nice. And, you know, just getting it to like some, some national outlets so that, they'll recognize the name, you know, for next time. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. It was nice to have someone else doing something for me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> instead of just like blindly, you know, flailing, trying to do something by yourself. And the effort to do it yourself. That's a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort. It's too, really yeah. too much for any, any person to do by themselves, but yeah, but yeah. they do it. They do yeah. It. In a, another print interview I did recently, someone asked, uh, 
you know, like what was, what was the most interesting thing that happened in the studio? And I didn't really have an answer because it was like, well, I mean, we went in like the, everyone who played on my album is like a stellar musician. So we went in, we averaged like four songs a day. So we just like knocked everything out. Is that a good, is that a good sort of rate? Good. It's really good. Um, Cause you, you know, you're doing multiple takes of these songs and especially when everyone's together, the potential yeah. for mistakes is, is a little higher. Sure. So we were, you know, just doing like very few takes on these songs and, and we'd be, we'd be like finish a take and be like, I think that was it. It's like, yeah. yeah, I think that was it. Okay. So, you know, I, I was just so pleased with how the studio work went. Just, man, it was easy. <laughs> it sounds like you all were really, you're really buttoned up in that way. Yeah. Of like, yeah. It felt that able to way. come in, like do the songs. Uh, I mean, you you all had such a clear sense of each other that it, it was like, and and it also sounds like like some of the stories we hear about bands recording records, you hear about the drama, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's not the way it should sound, or like someone's instrument is higher in the mix than mine is, you know, like the grumpiness, or but yeah. then you hear the other side, which is like, I think I'm probably going to get this wrong but there are a few albums that you hear about where like they record the entire album in like one take uh one shot like i think ozzy osbourne's first album was like that Mm -hmm. like apparently the band went in and in one take did the entire album in one go um but that's also not the norm right so the 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 dramatics and the the one take wonder like those are not the norm but four songs a day sounds like a really good bead it was good yeah it was a good little clip i I do want to mention the musicians. I'm, I'm glad we took this time. Um, yeah. <clears throat> every, you know, the, these, everyone on the record are working musicians in town. They play with a ton of people, you know, have, have so much experience. They're all better musicians than me <laughs> by a long shot. But Kat Clemens played guitar. He's also my boyfriend. So I'm a little biased, but I think most people <laughs> would agree. He's one of the best guitar players in town. Nice. Uh, Lindsey Green played bass. He's he's been in town for forever. Just just a stellar bass player in so many genres. Just perfect. He he treated he treated each song as its own thing, and it just beautiful. Um, and James Gwynn, great friend of mine, great great drummer. Uh, same same with him. That was that was such a cool thing about the studio too, is how sensitive the players were to everything. Because like these are some super emotional songs. Some of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're really and personal it, for you. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and, and where where some people might just kind of plow through and play what they always play, uh, these guys were really sensitive and, and you know, sympathetic to, to what was going on. That's great. Yeah. So I want to close out the show and ask you um, two questions. And this might be something that we've already talked about that you want to elaborate more on, but what's one of the most important lessons that you've learned so far in your work or in your life in general? Good question. Um, <clears throat> I, I think this, this does apply to music, but also, also just to life is that un- unless you are like actively on your deathbed, nothing is the end of the world. You know, mm. if you make a mistake, cool, great. You yeah. get to learn from it. It's not like, I remember being a child and like every mistake I made was like a huge devastation to me. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe this. What am I going to do? Or like when I was auditioning for, for musicals, I was auditioning for professional shows when I was in high school. And like my okay. second audition, I didn't, I didn't get it. I wasn't cast. And I was like, how am I going to get into college? Oh my God. <laughs> um, so, and it's taken me so long, so long to figure out that like, you know, most stuff really doesn't matter. Like in, if you don't get something that you thought you wanted, it's okay. Cause something else yeah. will happen. Yeah. You'll get to do something else. And it's, fine so yeah you know it's like not holding on so much to your idea of of what something is and just letting it be the thing that it is just like letting your life be the thing that it is with a few little guiding points you know (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, there's a there's a version of that question that i like to ask myself and um maybe other people in my life but especially when you you've landed on something right you kind of like trip over this hole in the ground and it's this problem that you're like, oh, I've got to figure this out and I've got to get it right. One of the questions that I 
ask myself or I ask others is, is this going to be important next year? Yeah. Is, this, is this one of those things that is just, it feels like I have to solve this or else? Um, or is it just like, I need to figure it out and move on because next year I'm barely going to think of it. Yeah, that's that's a great way to see things. I'm going to steal yeah. that from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Selena, where can people find out more about you? There's the record, of course, and we'll link that in the in the show notes. Um, but you know, where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah. Um, well, there is my website, selenarosenbaum.com. Um, also, my and your last name and your last name is spelled R O S A N B A L M. Yes, it is a tricky one. All of the things that you uh, the the assumptions you would make are incorrect about my last name. <laughs> yeah, R O S A N B A L M. Um, what else? You know, I've got I've got a Facebook and an Instagram page. Sure. Uh, same name, of course. Um, the record is available for purchase um, on my Bandcamp page. Okay. Uh, you can just search for me on Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for making time today, Selena. Yeah. Uh, and and just making the space. Uh, though we've known each other for years, I, I feel like I've learned so much about you as a person and then also as a musician. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking me. I That is that's very kind and I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to How This Works. This episode was edited and mastered by Troy Lococo. Please subscribe and leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. We're just starting. And so it would be super helpful if you could tell just one other person about the show and why they should listen to it. You can find How This Works online at howthisworks.show. It's three words, no dashes. Again, that's howthisworks.show. We're also in the places where social media happens. Thanks so much for listening to my episode with Selena. I hope that you got as much out of the show as I have in making it. And we'll talk again soon. Is that, is that something just as a note, and I don't know if this is going to end up in the show, but I mean, are, because you're playing with the band and you know, you, you know, these guys that you're playing with and, you know, it sounds like from the way that you describe it, you're taking into account things like social distancing and like, you know, the venues being outside. Are you all testing as a group? Just curious, like. Um, good question. No, we, we haven't been, um, you know, we've, we've been wearing masks, you know, as much as possible when, when appropriate. Okay. I think most of the band is wearing a mask when we play live, except for okay. me. Um, okay. Because, you know, we're also concerned about setting an example for people. Got it. You know, like we don't want to be out there, you know, acting reckless or being being seen as reckless, you know, when, sure. when the stakes are so high, especially, oh my God, higher every day. Um, the numbers <clears throat> are hard to fathom. It is really awful. <laughs> but... Yeah, you know, we're we're just trying to to stay as safe as possible and I am I'm getting tested today actually. So so that'll oh, be fun. <laughs> exciting. It'll be my third test. Yeah. <laughs> I